Okay, so please turn in your Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 23. So 2 Samuel chapter 23. <coughs> and starting at verse 1. Now these be the last words of David. David, the son of Jesse, said, And the man who was raised up on high, the anointed of, God, of the God of Jacob, and a sweet psalmist of Israel said, The Spirit of the Lord spake by me, and his word was in my tongue. The God of Israel said, The rock of Israel spake to me, He that ruleth over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God. And he shall be as the light of the morning, when the sun riseth, even a morning without clouds, as the tender grass springing out of the earth by clear shining after rain. Although my house be not so with God, Yet he hath made with me an everlasting covenant, orders in all things, and sure, for this is all my salvation, and all my desire, although he make it not to grow. But the sons of Belial shall be all of them as thorns thrust away, because they cannot be taken with hands. But the man that shall touch them must be fenced with iron and the staff of a spear, and they shall be utterly burned with fire in the same place. These be the names of the mighty men whom David had, the Tachmanite that sat in the seat chief among the captains. The same was Adeno the Esnite. He lift up his spear against 800 whom he slew at one time. And after him was Eliezer the son of Dodo the Ahohite, one of the three mighty men of David, when they defied the Philistines that were there gathered together to battle, and the men of Israel were gone away. He arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary, and his hand clave unto the sword. And the Lord wrought a great victory that day, and the people returned after him only to spoil. And after him was Shammah, the son of Aji, the Hararite, and the Philistine were gathered together into a troop, where was a piece of ground full of lentils, and the people fled from the Philistines. But he stood in the midst of the ground, and defended it, and slew the Philistines, and the Lord wrought a great victory. And the three of the thirty chief went down, and came to David in the harvest time unto the cave of Adullam, and the troop of the Philistines pitched in the valley of Rephaim. And David was then in an hold, and the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. And David longed and said, O oh, that one would give me drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. And the three mighty men broke through the host of the Philistines, and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate, and took it, and brought it to David. Nevertheless he would not drink thereof, but poured it out unto the Lord. And he said, Be it far from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is not this the blood of the men that went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore he would not drink it. These things did these three mighty men. And Abishai, the brother of Joab, the son of Zeruiah, was chief among three. And he had lifted up his spear against three hundred, and slew them, and had the name among three. Was he not most honourable of three? Therefore he was their captain, howbeit he attained not unto the first three. And Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man of Kabzeel, who had done many acts, he slew two lion-like men of Moab, who went down also and slew a lion in the midst of a pit in time of snow. And he slew an Egyptian, a goodly man, and the Egyptian had a spear in his hand, but he went down to him with a staff, and plucked a spear out of the Egyptian's hand, and slew him with his own spear. These things did Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, and had the name among three mighty men. He was more honourable than the thirty, but he attained not to the first three, 
and David set him over his guard. Azahel, the brother of Joab, was one of the thirty. Elhanan, the son of Dodo, of Bethlehem. Shammah, the Herodite. Elika, the Herodite. Helez, the Peltite. Ira, the son of Ikesh, the Tekoite. Abiezer, the Anathathite. Mabunai, the Hushathite. Zalman, the Ahohite. Meharai, the Netophathite. Heleb, the son of Baana, and a Tephathite of Etai, the son of Ribiai, out of Gibeah of the children of Benjamin. Beniah the Pirithonite, Hidei of the brooks of Geash, Abielbon the Arbathite, Asmapheth the Bahumite, Eliabah the Sharbonite of the sons of Jashan, Jonathan, Shema the Hararite, Ahiam the son of Shara the Hararite, Eliphelet the son of Ahaspai, the son of the Meachathite, Eliam the son of Ahithophel the Gilanite, Hezrei the Carmelite, Peorai the Arbite, Igal the son of Nathan of Zobah, Benai the Gadite, Zelek the Ammonite, Neherai the Beerthrite, Armabarah to Joab the son of Zeruiah, Ira and Ithrite, Gerob and Ithrite, Uriah the Hittite, thirty and seven in all. Uh, brother Alex, you mind um, praying for the service, please, bro uh, service, please, brother. Dear Father, uh, thank you so much for gathering all uh, here safely and well. Uh, please. Uh, um, help us to learn from these words and uh, make them make, make treasures out of them. And please uh, fill uh, Brother Ian with the Spirit in December. In Jesus' name, pray. Amen. Amen. Wow, well read by Brother Dan there. Lucky I didn't give him that last minute, but <laughs> that, that, was some, that was some good Bible reading. Amen. Um, the title of my sermon is How to Become a Spiritual Warrior. How to Become a Spiritual Warrior. And what a chapter of the Bible that is. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I get really inspired reading that. Um, and, you know, for, for those who fancy themselves a bit of a fighter, a bit of a tough guy or something else, you've got to remember that now our war is obviously a spiritual war, isn't it? And we are we are now in a spiritual war. And it, something that uh, actually Brother Kenton, we, we just spoke briefly about that the other week, and it, it's making me think about that, that spiritual war that we're in. And um, yeah, what a chapter of the Bible. Now, um, turn to 2 Corinthians 10. Well, I read Ephesians 6.12. And... Ephesians 6.12, we all know these verses, says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And 2 Corinthians chapter 10 says, For though we walk in the flesh, this is verse 3, sorry, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And we are we are battling a spiritual enemy, all of us. And it's not just the men here. It's not, you know, just if you you look at David's mighty men, well, it's only us in the spiritual war. No, this is this goes across this. You know, the, the feminists would love this because you can have women in this army as well. Um, this is this is a spiritual battle. And there's many areas of this. And we'll talk about that a bit later. Um, 
And we are all soldiers. Everyone here is a soldier. Just being here alone, you're already a soldier. Um, but there are levels of soldier, I believe. Now, as Christians, there are obviously, there's a kind of just about maybe more false Christians, and I see them as maybe more like the cannon fodder. They're the pawns that you send out, these like street preachers that kind of, you know, just prove the law changes and stuff and take one for the team. Now you've got the saved non-churchgoers, the soldiers sort of feigning injury, aren't they? The kind of ones with the family exemptions, they're not really getting involved, they're finding a way out. I look at the backsliders, maybe they're a bit AWOL. They're the ones that need the military police to come around them up, drag them along back into the war. You've got, um, you've got the liberal Christians, okay? And, and for those saved ones, those liberal Christians, I see them as maybe those ones that kind of signed up for the catering corps or maybe the brass band or something else, just trying to avoid the real warfare. You've got the independent fundamental Baptists, and I see them as like the regular squaddies, yeah? They're like your regular army personnel. And then you've got the NIFB, haven't you? And we're the special forces, yeah? The SAS, SBS, the Delta Force, Spetsnaz, and any other one you want to think of, yeah? Um, and I, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about... Uh, this country now it's hard to be patriotic about a lot of things and no offense to anyone that is a bit of a patriotic type i'm not for many reasons but um i was thinking there's one thing that the british actually do quite well and that is army personnel they're, they're pretty renowned for it around the world they have for example as brother dan is testimony of they have one of the longest courses um training training courses to go from zero to obviously a Royal Marine Commando, which you don't get much else in the world. Um, and that basic course is one of the longest in the world. The, the skill of UK soldiers is quite known around the world. Um, the SAS were actually known for training Delta Force at the beginning as well. Um, so any of, uh, not really, well, maybe Kentoneer, slightly American. <laughs> you, know, no, you know, that's just the way it is. The SAS trained them. And, um, and it's not that I want to glorify modern war and its motives because I think there's a lot of wicked reasons for war. But it is one thing the British, I feel, have always done well. And if you look back at our history and the British Empire, it's pretty amazing what this small island has done. And I think through through having pretty, pretty amazing soldiers. Um, and I was thinking about the SAS especially, it's quite famous and obviously it parallels with the SBS. And uh, there are, I believe, a lot of biblical equivalents to becoming a spiritual mighty man. And what we've just read about there are uh, uh, spiritual mighty men, aren't they? They're the, uh, sorry, uh, uh, David's mighty men are like the spiritual mighty men of today, those spiritual special forces. So how do we start the process? So how do you, how do you go on the road to start becoming like one of David's mighty men and our equivalent now in the New Testament? Well, if you turn to 1 Samuel 22. So 1 Samuel chapter 22, and at the beginning, um, David's men are, uh, sorry, David's fleeing from Saul. And from verse 1, and David spake unto the Lord the words of this song. Sorry, 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 sorry. I've just gone to 2 Samuel. 1 Samuel. <coughs> Okay, David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down thither to him. And everyone that was in distress, and everyone that was in debt, and everyone that was discontented gathered themselves unto him. And he became a captain over them. And there were with him about 400 men. Okay, so some of these down and outs. So are actually the men we've just read about as David's mighty men. They started as these men discontented, um, 
people in debt, people in distress. And eventually, by the end of the book of 2 Samuel, we're seeing these guys are described, as we've just read about, as David's mighty men. So, like I say, how do you start the process? How did they get to there from being these down and outs that just gathered themselves with David in that cave? Well, how do we Christians go from unsaved to spiritual warrior? How does someone go in, in military terminology, they love to use these words, I, I've known a few over the years, go from a civvy, you've probably all heard of that, a civilian, how do they go from a civvy to a member of the SAS, for example? Now, there are some basic requirements to start this off, and again, like I said, there's many parallels here, so I found this really interesting when I started looking into this. Now, the British Army has some basic requirements. It says here, restrictions and requirements. I was looking at if you were applying and you wanted to get into the Army, you wanted to eventually make it to that, to that higher level of, a, of special forces. First, you'll need to meet the British Army nationality and residency rules. You'll need to pass a fitness test, pass a medical check, pass security checks and pass enhanced background checks. Now, I was thinking about what's what's the difference? How, how does it work with us? Well, instead of meeting the British Army nationality and residency rules, we you need to meet a safe Christian first, don't you? Um, we also have to pass a fitness test but that fitness test was, are you fit for salvation? Obviously, reprobates are unfit for service. We also have to pass a medical check. Are you still alive? There's no salvation afterwards. <laughs> we have to pass some, some security checks as well, and that's checking that you understand the gospel. And there's one enhanced background check, isn't there? And that's have you put your faith in Jesus Christ alone. Now, these special forces, they always start off by excelling as a soldier. So it's not that they just go from nothing straight in fast track. They have to excel. They have to go through being a soldier. And what they say is that these guys, not that they're just amazing at one or two things, they get trained in certain specifics, but what they start off, they start off by excelling at all points of being a soldier, and then they're earmarked, then they've got that chance to make it through what is a gruelling process, and I'll show you a bit about that in a bit. Okay, so skills and knowledge to be a good soldier, what do you need to be to be a good soldier? You'll need, according to the British Army, physical fitness and endurance. So if you turn to 1 Timothy 4, 1 Timothy chapter 4, physical fitness and endurance. And 1 Timothy 4, verse 8, For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is, and of that which is to come. Now, I think Brother John mentioned this the other day, and say, oh, that really hurt him, but we don't have to be too negative. It still profits a little. Okay, yeah, it's not it's not up there with godliness, but it profited little. Okay, it's not a negative. That's not a negative. And again, you can read it. Oh, it profits only a little. Well, no, it still profits. And I, I do believe we do we should be fit and healthy to serve the Lord. And even if it was just to make it to church regularly. Now, we need self-discipline for that, don't we? And I'm not I'm not talking about looking good. And there's a, it's funny, isn't it? In this world, being fit and healthy has kind of been swapped with how you look. And there's a lot of guys that look what the world calls fit and healthy, and they're not fit and healthy. And, and I'm not talking about looking like this perfect guy and everything else. I'm just talking about being fit and healthy. Eating healthily, being fit, being active. And for some, some of you guys, you don't have manual jobs, and that can make it harder. You have to put extra time into doing that. And for those that do have manual jobs, you still want to get your lungs going somewhere, still want to be fit. And when you're fit and healthy, you're more, you're more able to do the work of God. So physical fitness is important. Now endurance, we've got a different kind of endurance, haven't we? If you, while you're in, um, if you go over to 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and again, 
2 Timothy chapter 4. And verse, verse 8, is it? Uh, oh, sorry, I think I've put down the wrong, wrong, um, the wrong scripture here. But, okay. Um, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. I've lost that reference. Does anyone know where that reference is? Don't worry if not. Okay, so thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Now, um, there are some hard times as a Christian, and, and we have to endure this hardness. I've been through tough times myself. I'm sure you all have, especially after salvation. A lot of people... Um, a lot of people experience this, don't they? Soon after salvation, they go through some, you know, some people call it different things. I remember hearing a sermon, a bit of a dodgy preacher, but he was calling it the sifter. And that really stuck with me, that you go through the sifter after you're saved. And I think we all go through some stuff, and we've got to endure that hardness. Now, Mark 4, if you turn to Mark 4, and I have got the right reference here, if you turn to Mark 4... And from verse 16. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who, when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution ar ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. So straight away from the beginning, we need to endure persecution and affliction. And just to even start meeting regularly and still calling ourselves, you know, saved men of God and wanting to live for Christ and wanting to let people know about that. We have to have endured some persecution, some affliction in our lives. And a good way for me, just, just something to keep remembering, just remember what Christ endured. Just remember what he went through. And our, our king, he leads by example. He's on the front line. He was on the front line. He still is because he works for all of us and he's there he's there with us he guides us through everything and that's a good thing to remember now number two and number two for being a good soldier is concentration skills and fast reactions concentration skills and fast reactions so I turn to Matthew 6 while I read Proverbs 16.3 Proverbs 16.3 says commit thy works unto the Lord and thy thoughts shall be established we want our concentration our concentration skills are about concentrating on the right things. Matthew 6 from verse 31, the Bible reads, Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Okay, so we need to be able to concentrate on the important things. They're the concentration skills we need uh, as spiritual warriors, Christian soldiers. We need to concentrate on the important things, the kingdom of God, which is our mission objective, isn't it? Um, if you turn to 2 Timothy 2... Second Timothy 2 and verse 4 says, No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Okay, so we are called to be soldiers. This isn't an optional thing. We're called to be soldiers, and we need to act like one. 
Not on the, you don't see soldiers on the battlefield, do you? Like worrying about, oh, oh I don't know if I'm still going to be able to pay my mortgage this month, or worrying about the, the, the finance getting rich, or you know what they're going to buy next, or all these silly things. Which Jesus says, when we set our sights on the kingdom of heaven, all these things shall be added unto us. He will look after us. He will take care of these things. And yeah, of course, you know, I'm not saying you just, just, you know, oh, I don't have to do anything. I sit back. Jesus is going to pay for things. No, there's certain ways God wants us to live. He wants us to be diligent in work. He wants to, to provide for our own. But we need to make sure that our main focus, the main thing we're concentrating on, our concentration skill is concentrating on Jesus and the kingdom of heaven. Now, what about fast reactions? Yeah, we need some fast reactions. Okay, we, you know, this is a thing that you won't find as much of in scripture because a lot of things, we don't want to just suddenly rush into things and we don't want to be hasty. But um, how about this fast reaction? If you turn to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. And from verse 1, we're just going to read the whole thing. <laughs> no, I'm only messy, right? Psalm 119. <laughs> uh, verse 59. Got to get some context, you know, just, just go from the beginning. I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimonies. I made haste and delayed not to keep thy commandments. I made haste and delayed not to keep thy commandments. And that's the sort of fast reactions we need to have, don't we? To, to be quick and keep the commandments of God. Not to take us, oh, well, I'll get rid oh, I'll change that eventually. No, make haste and keep his commandments. We need to think about our behavior, don't we? Re react quickly to change it. Don't give the enemy an inch. Because when you're living willfully in sin, you're, you're giving that enemy a real foothold. Okay, so number three, number three being a good soldier active listening skills and the ability to follow instructions quickly anyone heard of active listening skills before in any of their jobs or ever heard of this term before so this was new to me i had to look this up active listening skills are apparently active listening is a technique that is used in counseling training and solving disputes or conflicts it requires a listener to fully concentrate understand respond and then remember what is being said Okay, so basically we need to hear, concentrate on what, what you've heard, understand it, and then behave accordingly. Um, basically, be both a hearer and a doer, hey, Brother Alex? So, Psalm 119, if you turn, turn, keep in Psalm 119, and verse 9 to 16. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee, oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. With my lips have I declared all the judgments of thy mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. So yeah, we need to concentrate here, understand and obey our commanding officer, the Lord Jesus, head of the church. Um, now under the commanding officer, there is a chain of command though. There has to be for things to work. Uh, we know that, we, we talk about this, we've talked about this with family life as well. Um, and obviously at work as well, submitting to the higher power can be a problem for many. Some women find it hard, don't they, in this feminazi society? And, you know, we've probably all heard a lot of preach on that, played it on repeat to our wives. Um, 
but many men do too, don't they? Because the, this is a pretty self-important, egocentric society, isn't it, as well? And a lot of us, you know, we've probably found it hard to submit to authority. Now, all of us here, we've all been pretty much ticking the box at church, let's be honest. Sadly, you know, and I'm not just going to spend every service just railing on the churches here, but... Um, but we have, we, we kind of tick the box going to church and we're not really submitting with our hearts at least. And it's something I've, I've battled with and really try to do just to submit to people that, you know, I don't, I don't, it's not what I see as a church should be. So it can be hard. Now we finally, we finally have a church starting and it is a church starting here. I, you know, I've started off, well, maybe, hopefully, well, I'm confident this is going to become a church in the next few months, probably sooner. Okay, so there's a chain of command. And if you turn to Hebrews 13, turn to Hebrews 13. Okay, so you've got Jesus Christ at the top. And in our group now, forming into a church, you've then got Pastor Thompson, Pastor Aaron Thompson. Okay, then you've got little old me underneath Pastor Aaron Thompson. And then you've got all of you guys. Now, read verse 17 here, chapter 13, verse 17. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief. For that is unprofitable for you. So for me, I've got to submit to Aaron Thompson, Pastor Aaron Thompson, and give account to him and ultimately to God. Now, Pastor Thompson wants to do this with joy. I want to do it with joy because if it's with grief, it's unprofitable for everyone. And that's everyone here and that's everyone that eventually will come into it. Now, I'm, I'm, this isn't like anyone in particular, but it's a good reminder. It needs to be said. If you're unable to follow instructions, you're going to be a lousy soldier. And in the same way, if you're unable to follow instructions here as well, then you're going to be no good as, as, as one of the spiritual soldiers of Christ of what's going to be a church here. Now, if you're really just waiting here in the wings just until something better comes along or, you know, maybe, you know, soon we'll have some other church, you know, maybe, you know, that'll be me or something else. Well, you're not. You're, no one here is profiting. It's going to be grief for me, it's going to be grief for Pastor Thompson, and it's ultimately going to be grief for, for the Lord Jesus Christ, our commanding officer. There is a chain of command, so we have to decide, like, if we want to be part of this, and we want to be part of a successful church, and we want to get people saved, and we want to go out and be those spiritual warriors, we have to decide, right, am I going to submit, am I going to deal with this now, am I going to start treating this like it is? Because, like I said, it's becoming a church. So I've, tr I've trod a bit carefully at the beginning, because, you know, it's a new thing thing for a lot of people we've come in here and it's like okay well you know brother Ian you know we're all brothers here and now I'm starting to lead something and I you know I'm not just going to start reading the right act and it's not that I want to start talking down to people either but but in the same way now there has to be for something to work there has to be a chain of command and if that's not if that's not what you want if, if you're here thinking well I don't know I don't know if I can really I don't know if I want to submit to him I, I, I'll do it for a little bit I don't know if Pastor Thompson maybe, maybe you're thinking I don't know if Pastor Thompson's really you know I prefer if it was Pastor Anderson or whatever you know whatever it is if there's any of that you, honestly we'd be better off with half the numbers here it wouldn't bother me I, I know because I know that when you look at the army as well that morale is so much more important yeah morale is so much more important than numbers and we see 
example after example in scripture that as well don't we just a few men 300 men of Gideon etc yeah and I don't mean the 300 on that silly movie with a load of guys with long hair and skirts on okay trying to trying to pretend that that's manliness so this army and this army and we, we are going to be a big part of this aren't we this army here is fighting for people's eternal souls so i i'm not like for me it's not getting ruined by people that can't that, that can't submit to that so again it, you know again it's not anyone in particular but i know because i've spoken so speaking of pastor tops speak on this happened every time a group like this forms there will be people there'll be people that just can't do it they can't follow instructions they can't do it and like i say we it's even harder for us because there are no good churches we have spent time just not really like submitting in word but really in our minds are like i'm at a lousy place well now if that's how you feel still honestly it's just going to ruin it it's too we've got too much at stake here okay so the ability to work well with others in a team and that leads right on to that doesn't it the ability to work well with others in a team so being part of this church okay we don't have to all be best friends here okay that's not how it works it's not oh we're all just you know you know they've got so much in common no but we should love each other we should love each other regardless of whether you want to hang out every day or not have sleepovers and the rest of it but we've got to love each other and we've got to all want to work for the church work for the team okay so turn to romans 12. romans 12 from verse 3 for I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry let us wait on our ministry, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without dissimulation, abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good, be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love, in honour preferring one another, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. So in verse 9 and 10, it's, there's no fake love. Okay, we're talking about dissimulation. It's basically fake. Okay, no fake love. It's a command. It's like, like with husbands and wives, it's a command. You love your wife because you're told to, not because she always makes you want to love her. There's going to be problems in every relationship at times. And in the same way, with brothers in a church, we, love, we should be loving, for, loving each other. We shouldn't be at home kind of, you know, talking to our wives family friends the way they act or the way they behave we should be there praying for each other we should be yeah we're going to see faults in each other we should be praying for each other we should be wanting them to improve not wanting them to fail okay we should love our fellow soldier more than the worldly soldiers do and they're known for it aren't they you look at these soldiers and you look at especially things like the sas and whatnot if anyone's ever known people in these sort of groups like they have a lot of love for each other and they're like us they call each other brother etc they you know these guys have some love for each other and they need to be and we're in a spiritual war and we need to have love for each other we need to be brothers and sisters in christ here okay so just quickly as well verse 11 we've got to work hard not slothful in business and, and in battle you don't want slackers next to you do you you don't want to be in a battle whether it's physical or spiritual and have a slacker next to you in battle now number five 
patience and the ability to remain calm in stressful situations. So stay in Romans 12 and look at verse 12 now, the next verse. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. So when you're rejoicing in hope, it helps you to be patient in tribulation, especially when you continue instant in prayer. We're told to glory in tribulations, for tribulation work in patience, doesn't it? And it's not always easy, is it? Sometimes you're having a hard time and it's not easy to glory in it, but that's what we should be doing. And it's not always easy, but, but patience is important. Our war isn't a quick battle. It's not just a quick, you know, that's it, five minutes, you're done. It's a war of attrition. It's lifelong. In fact, it's, it goes on beyond our lives. Um, okay, turn to Psalm 37. Psalm 37. And from verse 7, rest in the Lord, await patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in, the, in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. So we need to be calm to be effective. So it makes me think, it, you know, unlike, unlike, do you remember those... Uh, those terrible movies i think you're some of these kind of classic old action movies where the bad guys are just always just ah, running forward aren't they they're not trying to take cover they're not they're just getting shot by that one guy you know your arnold schwarzenegger types but we don't want to be that bad guy do we? he's just full of passion at the wrong time we need to be calm to be effective and and yeah there's a time for anger for righteous anger but we do need we, we need to be able to control our spirit turn to james chapter one James chapter 1 and verse 19. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. And when you let your temper go, and for some it will be easier than others, but when you let your temper go, it's rare that you're working the righteousness of God. Um, Okay, number six, the ability to accept criticism and work well under pressure. Okay, the ability to accept criticism and work well under pressure. So even without hard preaching, even without hard preaching, the Bible is going to criticize you, isn't it? The Bible will, will make you look at yourself. And we need to accept that that criticism improves us because it does. And we want to improve. Now, the army's motto in, the, in Britain is be the best army be the best I don't know if you ever seen those sort of adverts and things like that well we have the holy spirit we actually have more ability to be the best than they do the, the than the majority of these worldly members of the army and we want to be the best but we have to respond to the criticism we have to accept the criticism to be the best now there's a time and a place so i'm not saying right everyone here you just got to start turning and criticizing you should do this you should do that there's a time and a place you've got to and again you've got to make sure your motives are right is it to help them and something when you're preaching as well that that's a, that for me it has to be i want to help people and I, this is something that was said to me the other day is that your ultimate goal is to help people improve and sometimes that's going to be saying harsh things sometimes it's going to be saying encouraging things and same amongst each other when we're criticizing it should be to help and for some people they won't take it that well in a certain way and maybe it has to be in a gentler way but we really need to accept that criticism is going to help us um, 
Imagine a soldier, for example. Imagine a worldly soldier without the stakes that we have, because our stakes are much higher. Going home to his wife, maybe. <laughs> I think the drill sergeant was talking about me then not having that that's not going to happen is it they're going to submit they're going to accept the criticism they're going to respond to the criticism and that's how we need to do it turn to proverbs 13 a couple of good verses in proverbs 13 about this proverbs 13 verse 1 a wise son heareth his father's instruction but a scorner heareth not rebuke we do not want to be the scorner of Proverbs. What a character that is. Verse 18 of Proverbs 13. Poverty and shame shall be to him that refuseth instruction, but he that regardeth reproof shall be honoured. And regarding reproof is responding to it, isn't it? Is listening to it and, and, and making change from it. And we all need to be that that, that regards reproof. Okay. Now, there, there, is, there is pressure, isn't there? There's pressure as a Christian from the world. Remember, they said to work well under pressure. And, you know, if you're, you're, you're a soldier in battle, I'm not talking about your liberal, your liberal Christians, your worldly Christians, but when you're trying to live for God, there is some pressure. Turn to James chapter 4. James chapter 4. And verse 7. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. So the pressure is from our enemy. The answer is to submit to God. Draw nigh, resist sin, don't mock it. Work under the pressure to follow God's law. And there is pressure, isn't there? There's pressure against us living for Christ, following his law every which way we can. But when you do that, it will be a rout. Don't just say you'll leave you alone. It says he'll flee from you. And we want it to be a rout, don't we? Okay, number seven. Number seven, thinking and reasoning skills and the confidence to act quickly. So again, this is what they say for to be a good soldier of the British Army. Thinking and reasoning skills and the confidence to act quickly. Okay, these are the thinking skills we need. Turn to Philippians 4. Philippians chapter 4. Okay, verse 8. Finally, brethren whatsoever things are true whatsoever things are honest whatsoever things are just whatsoever things are pure whatsoever things are lovely whatsoever things are of good report if there be any virtue if there be any praise think on these things okay the ability to think on good things it's going to make such a difference to your lives it has to me uh, you know especially right now it's so tempting to start thinking about where the world's going the conspiracies and there are a lot of conspiracies and don't get me wrong i, I there are a lot there, a lot of these conspiracies have a lot of lot of weight and anyone who thinks there are no conspiracies in the world is a naive fool but on the other hand do we want to be dwelling on these things do we want to be thinking on these things no we want to be thinking on nice things we want to be thinking on things that are true not the things that are untrue oh, they're conning us they're doing this they're doing that no think about this word things that are honest things that are just and for me that really makes a difference this verse when i think about that and i get it wrong a lot but when, when i'm when i'm trying to work to be like that and to think about the good things it will really change your lives i believe um 
test everything by scripture reason through the word of god like for example jesus temptation in the wilderness example it's the word of god that we answer those attacks don't we because our enemy he wages a disinformation campaign and and we see that all the time don't we we see that in the world we're constantly trying to trying to throw this lie at us that lie and it's not just at us at the rest of the world as well and they're the battleground there um he wants us in constant fear but our confidence should be in the lord turn to psalm 18 And Psalm 18, verse 30. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all those that trust in him. Uh, we need to be confident in our response. And that comes from knowing the Bible. So when we're getting this stuff thrown at us, it's knowing the Bible, knowing the word. When people are trying, oh, the, the vaccine's a mark of the beast or the... the you know, Bill Gates is the Antichrist. No, that doesn't line up with scripture at all. And we need to be in this word and we need to be thinking on these things. Okay, which leads on to number eight. Number eight is to be thorough and pay attention to detail. And we need to study our war manual, don't we? We need to study our war manual. Turn to 2 Timothy 2.15. Famous verse, 2 Timothy 2.15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We need to study this word. If we're going to be successful, we need to study it. Turn to Isaiah 28. Isaiah 28. And from verse 9, Isaiah 28, 9. Whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breasts. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. And we need to study to move on to the strong meat of the word. So Bible reading is great. And it's something I've just been talking about a bit with people recently. But studying and meditating on scripture is really important as well. And, and don't get me wrong, we should all be reading our Bibles and we should all be reading them through cover to cover. But the Bible's clear that we should be studying as well. And, and studying the Word of God is not just reading it cover to cover. Some people will speed read. I know myself, sometimes when I read the Bible, I will drift sometimes and I have to bring myself back. That's, that's the honest truth. But when I'm studying the Word, it's different. And it's slow, sure. It's, you can study topics, you can study chapters, you can study a verse at, at a time. Whatever you want to do, the Bible's clear that we should be studying to show ourselves approved unto God. Okay, so with that, when we do that, then when you go on to the battlefield, turn to 1 Peter 5. A lot of Bible flicking today. Seeing how well you know your Bibles. 1 Peter chapter 5. <coughs> So once we've studied our war manual, then from verse 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. 
So we need to not be ignorant of his device. If we're thorough with our Bibles, with every detail, we will be so much more effective. We can see the attacks of the enemy. Okay, so eight points that was. Eight points to be a good soldier. You've got number one, physical fitness and endurance. Number two, concentration skills of fast reactions. Number three, active listening skills and the ability to follow instructions quickly. Number four, the ability to work well with others in a team. Number five, patience and the ability to remain calm in stressful situations. Number six, the ability to accept criticism and work well under pressure. Number seven, thinking and reasoning skills and the confidence to act quickly. And number eight, to be thorough and pay attention to detail. Okay, so once you excel, once you excel at all of these, now you're ready to apply for the SAS if it's if it's the, the modern army that we're doing here, and, and if it's our spiritual warfare, you want to be one of David's mighty men, his spiritual now mighty men, you now have to pass selection. Selection for the SAS is like this. So selection phase one, I don't know if you guys ever looked into this, I know this stuff's quite popular, I haven't watched any of these SAS shows, but um, I'll run over it anyway. So selection phase one, endurance. So back to this endurance. So the first phase of selection is known as the endurance, fitness and navigation, or the hills stage. This is the endurance portion of selection, not only tests a candidate's physical fitness, but also their mental stamina. To pass this phase, a high level of determination and self-reliance is vital. Okay, so for the spiritual special forces, I think we're talking about regular soul winning, soul winning marathons, Bible through multiple times, constant prayer, regular fasting, regular church. Okay, selection phase two, jungle training. Those who have passed stage one have to then pass jungle training. Training takes place in Belize in the heart of deep jungles. Candidates learn the basics of surviving and patrolling in the harsh conditions. SAS jungle patrols have to live for weeks behind enemy lines in four-man patrols living on rations. So we, this is our two-man patrols in unreceptive areas, yeah? Okay, jungle training weeds out those who can't handle the discipline re re required to keep themselves and their kit in good condition whilst on long-range patrol in difficult conditions. You've got to keep that Bible in good condition, yeah? Again, there is a mental component being tested, not just a physical. Special forces teams need men who can work under relentless pressure in horrendous environments for weeks on end without a lifeline back to home base. Horrendous environments. Soul winning in Jehovah's Witness communes, maybe, or heavily Islamic estates, as well as sticking it out in militant Zionist pre-trib churches getting preached at week in, week out. Horrendous environments, yeah? Okay, selection phase three escape and evasion and tactical questioning okay so the small number of candidates who have made it through endurance and jungle training now enter the final phase of selection the likelihood of a special operation going wrong behind enemy lines is quite high given the risks involved the sas wants soldiers who have the wherewithal and spirit required to escape and evade capture and resist interrogation Okay, for the escape and evasion, E and E portion of the course, the candidates are given brief instructions on appropriate techniques. This may include talks from former POWs or special forces soldiers who have been in E and E situations in the real world. Okay, so with our equivalent, we're talking about endless sermons debunking false doctrine, yeah? Okay, next, the candidates are let loose in the countryside wearing World War II vintage coats with instructions to make their way to a series of waypoints without being captured by the hunter force or other soldiers. This portion lasts for three days after which captured or or not all candidates report fatigue that's tactical questioning 
Okay, so I think this is surviving at one of those churches without getting kicked out for being an Andersonite. Okay, so tactical questioning tests the prospective SAS men's ability to resist interrogation. They're treated roughly by their interrogators, often made to stand in stress position for hours at a time, while disorientating white noise is blasted at them. So maybe I'm thinking here like debates with Calvinists, with maybe Christian rock music in the background, or something like that. When their turn for questioning comes, they must only answer with the so-called big four, name, rank, serial number, and date of birth. So ours is like, don't get derailed. Their sins take them to hell. Jesus is God. He paid for their sins. It's by faith alone. Just keep going with the gospel. Okay, all other questions must be answered with, I'm sorry, but I cannot answer that question. Failure to do so results in failing the course. The questions will use all sorts of tricks to try and get a reaction from their candidates. We get that, don't we, out on the doors. Those tricks they try and use to try and derail it off the gospel. They may act friendly and try to get their subjects chatting. Oh, yeah, faith alone. Yeah, yeah, agree with that. Yeah, but what do you think about? Okay, or they stand inches away from their subjects and scream unfavorable remarks about the habits of their mothers. Female interrogators may laugh at their anatomy. Of course, a real interrogation would be a lot more harsh, and the subject would know that they, have, that they get to leave alive when it's all over. That said, days of interrogations and enduring the stress positions of white noise break down a man's sense of time and reality. And some of those doors can feel like an eternity, can't they? Um, the SAS are looking for men who can withstand such treatment long enough so that the effects of revealing any operational information they might have can be lessened by headquarters. Okay, so after all that, a small number of men who make it through selection receive the coveted beige beret with a distinctive wing dagger insignia as a newly badged member of the Special Air Service they can feel justly proud. They are not out of the woods, however, as they are now effectively on probation. As brand new members of the regiment, they will be watched closely by the DS as they enter continuation training. Many SAS soldiers are RTU'd, so return to unit during training. And sadly, isn't that true in spiritual warfare? Many soldiers can't cut it in the long term. Now turn to James 1, 12. James 1, verse 12. So forget the beret. James 1, 12 said, Blessed is a man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised them that love him. So I'm going for the crown of life. And the battleground is our minds. The battleground is our minds. It's our soul winning in the highways and hedges. It's in raising godly families. It's defending the church. It's fighting to tell the truth. It's trying to keep, keep relationships going in this world. It's, it's all these things. And we should be striving, shouldn't we? We should be striving to be like Adino the, the Esnai, slaying 800 spiritual enemies at once, or Benaiah of Jehoiada taking on the spiritual lions. And like Eliezer the Ahahite, keep fighting until our hands cleave to the sword. This is our sword, isn't it? Our hands should be cleaving to this sword. Okay, turn to 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Last one. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 13. The spiritual warriors, the Bible says, Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for, for all the many examples and many lessons you give us and, and the examples of the Old Testament of great men of God and how we can take that forward in our spiritual battles. Please help us to all be, all be strong spiritual soldiers. 
Help us to win those battles through you, through your Holy Spirit, through your word. Help us today with the, with the next little battle out in the, out in the streets of South End, giving the gospel. Help us to, to win people to Christ. And in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.